Broadcasting from, well, my apartment in Brooklyn, New York, welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful, purpose-driven companies and organizations. Today is opposite day on Brand on Purpose, which means you may not recognize my voice because I'm this episode's guest host and associate producer, Meg Ruoko. This week, we're taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming to talk with Brand on Purpose creator and host Aaron Quitkin about the evolving coronavirus pandemic and the disease it causes, COVID-19, and specifically address the communications challenges nonprofits are facing amidst this global health crisis. Aaron, welcome to being a guest on your own podcast, Brand on Purpose. (laughs) Thanks, Meg. I appreciate you taking over the show on uh, what we're calling Opposite Day today. Absolutely. (laughs) Happy to be here. Yeah, I wish we were here under better circumstances, though. I will say that. Me as well. Luckily, the uh, Slack camera is really getting us through this working from home situation. For sure. Shout out to Slack. Yeah. So just jumping in, I wanted to ask, obviously, coronavirus is being covered across every media platform, from major news networks to Twitter feeds. There's a lot being said about this pandemic. Do you think the media are covering this story responsibly? That's a great question. I think that from the outset, My short answer is no, not really. There's certain outlets that I've been covering it, I think, exceptionally well. So I trust NPR with my life. And I think there's certain outlets, say Fox News, that are putting out requests to the PR community for tips on how to stockpile goods, which is the exact opposite thing that people should be doing. So I do think that the media have created a little bit more of a panic-demic amongst this pandemic. And, you know, it's nonstop reporting. There's a lot of micro reporting as well. I mean, do we have to hear about every member of Congress that tests positive? Eventually, there will be tens of thousands of people in the US that test positive. As of the recording of this podcast, there's over 200,000 globally with more than 8,000 deaths. So I think they have a responsibility to report, of course. I'd like to see them report positive news as well and other things that are going on in the world. It shouldn't all be coronavirus 24-7. So, you know, the short answer is, you know, you're going to have some very responsible reporting and some irresponsible reporting. For me, I constantly look at Johns Hopkins University, the WHO, Centers for Disease Control. I look at those websites instead to get the most up-to-date and correct information. And of course, NPR. Yeah, I feel like it's really difficult to kind of parse through some of the stuff that's being put out right now and find things that you can rely on to get through all of this. Well, and to be fair, it's particularly challenging in that this is a crisis with no end in sight. So people try to liken it to 2008 crash, 9-11. In both instances, especially 9-11, it was a tragedy of epic proportions, but it did end. And we did go into remediation and mitigation very quickly, even though there was a long tail of recovery, both personal and human and economic. We're able to kind of see around the corner and know that there's an end in sight. With this, because there's one, no treatment, two, no vaccine, three, not a whole lot of definitive information on really how it's spreading, who's spreading it and what the impact is, potentially different strains now spreading, it creates a little bit more panic. And to be honest with you, I'm really worried for those who are living on the edge, on the edge of food insecurity, people who already struggle with mental health kids who now have to go hungry because they relied on their school lunch to be able to feed them one, two, three times a day. So I'd like to see the media also cover ways in which we together, even though we're alone, physical distancing, not just social distancing, but physical distancing, how we can help. 
And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I also have great concern for the very organizations and the nonprofits and the NGOs that are here to serve in times of crisis to make sure that they have the human resources they need and also the financial resources they need in the time of this crisis, but also when this is over for them to be able to sustain and go on their business, which is to provide so many valuable services to those who are underserved outside of COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. You said it earlier, but dealing with a crisis without any sort of end in sight can be very difficult. And I think you have an, a really extensive background in crisis communications management, just dealing within PR and things like that. And I I imagine that seems like a pretty useful background to have at this moment. Are there any like lessons do you think that can be learned here as we observe how the government is responding, how media is responding, how brands are responding? Sure. I think a couple of things. So the first thing that's most important is that transparency and communicating the transparency is going to be tantamount for any organization, be it the government, and I can go on about the government and how they've been handling or mishandling this, or brands and companies themselves. So You've probably experienced this in your inbox recently that everyone from your local dry cleaner to the pizza place to retailers that you love are now sending you communications about how they are handling the crisis and how important it is to them and your health and safety. And you're seeing major social media brands and websites now putting public service announcements out as pop-ups immediately as soon as you log in. And that's great. So transparency is important. The question is, how do you also navigate some very tough choices and decisions that companies not aren't not aren't they aren't just making now, but they're going to have to make in the future? So, of course, you're seeing mandatory shutdowns and limitations in certain services and stores, and in certain instances, shelter in place. But it's going to get hard, and it's going to get harder. And I think the most important thing for any organization is to speak with compassion, to also allow for forgiveness. And by that, I mean that because this is unprecedented and most companies and organizations deal with crises that are either sometimes self-inflicted or again, have an end in sight, nobody really knows what to say and how to say it. So my advice is keep communicating, but don't over-communicate necessarily. And the litmus test there is if you want to communicate, make sure it's something that's useful or make sure that it maps back to your values as a brand. And it's important to let your audiences and your key stakeholders know that you're probably going to make a few mistakes along the way because we're all in this together and we're experiencing something we've never experienced together or individually. So I think asking for forgiveness up front is really important. And also, ordinarily, brands and companies don't necessarily allow the consumer in to see how the quote-unquote sausage is made. Like, what are the inner workings and the calculus behind decisions they make? Yet... Consumers actually want to know now more than ever what's behind the decision. And I think that even though it's taboo to have done this in the past, we need to also explain why we're canceling an event, why we might be suspending a whole season, what were the the factors that caused this. And this also goes for politicians and local governments, Mayor de Blasio, and having to make a very difficult decision to close the New York City public schools because with every action, there's a consequence and the consequences aren't always positive. And the largest calculus that the government has had to make is that of creating quarantines and social distancing in order to not overwhelm the hospital system and make sure healthcare workers can take care of those who are sick, while at the same time, the consequence, of course, is the economy and the economic impact, which will also cause its own devastation and actually fatalities 
due to that decision. So it literally is a catch-22 and they're really, really hard decisions, but I think we need to be more open about how and why we're making those decisions so people have a greater level of understanding and they also understand the compassion and the thought and the scenarios that were run by others before those decisions were made. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a very unique situation in that it seems like no one has truly experienced kind of a crisis to this scale before. And really with that being said, no one necessarily knows exactly what the right thing to do is. So keeping that kind of open line of honest communication, I think is really critical during this time, especially for people like us PR folks who are talking to media nonstop. Do you think it's there are a few things that they need to keep in mind when communicating with both like outlets and clients right now? Let's talk about internal communications for a second, especially your generation. Like you said, you are amongst millions who are just entering the workforce. And there's millions others who are sadly not going to be able to go to their commencement potentially this spring, but who also are looking to enter the workforce. So for those of you who are in the workforce and experiencing this for the first time, and have had discussions with our staff about this, quite frankly, over the, over the last few days, I think the attitude right now is, and I think this is the right attitude to have, is brace for impact. To think that this is not a daisy chain where if people aren't out buying from retailers and also patronizing local businesses, I really fear for small businesses and restaurants especially, then they're not ordering from manufacturers and vendors and so on and so on. And then it ultimately does hit larger industry. And I think that all of us as leaders, you know, I run, I think it's a small business. We have, you know, 75, 80 people globally. It's not huge, but those are 75, 80 lives and souls. And I think my approach has been to actually expose our staff to what the business model process is, explain where the potential vulnerabilities are. And I'd rather communicate a hard truth now than surprise someone later. There are short-term measures you can take, every business can take with regards to cost containment and spending before they have to make staff cuts. And I also think that in certain instances, and our business is certainly in this category, we can be more valuable than ever before to our clients. So we have to be able to adapt and shift. So instead of normal course of action, fulfilling different scope requirements and helping them with their marketing services needs, that's like that would be very tone deaf, right? That would fall quite flat. And it would be silly because you'd have no performance. Instead, what we're doing is we're helping our clients communicate to their main constituents in this time of need and also finding ways to make sure that they are able to preserve and to uphold their own reputations based on the smart actions they're taking to mitigate the crisis. So it is a brace for impact. It is kind of buckle your seatbelt. As an employee, I think you need to be more of a utility player and not necessarily a specialist anymore. And raise your hand and be as proactive as possible and also be willing to appreciate the fact that you're going to have to make some personal sacrifices in your own life. It might be reducing spending here or there. There might be a sacrifice that an employer is going to ask of you, and hopefully we won't get to that. But what we don't know is what the short and longer term tail of this economic downturn will bring to all of us. And I will say that as a leader of an organization, and I've been through many crises myself, and I've also helped many clients through crises, the most important thing is to stay calm, to navigate the tension between your heart and your head, to be as fair as possible, but also look after the whole and weigh that against the needs of the individual. 
And those are hard decisions to make, but strong leaders open themselves up to the calculus behind those decisions. And they're willing to make those decisions quickly and in advance of a shortfall. Because if you start making decisions in the midst of a crisis, meaning when I say crisis, I don't mean what's happening right now, but the impact of what's happening right now, you're going to make bad decisions. You're going to lose trust. And if you lose trust, you lose everything. And the only way to maintain trust is to be transparent and to keep communicating and to lead with your heart and lead with purpose. Do you think that maintaining trust as a leader is kind of like the most important thing to keep in mind right now during the crisis? It is. It's a balance of maintaining trust, but also avoiding things like opaqueness. You know, now's not the time to make your key stakeholders, whether they be employees or customers, read between the lines or guess, because guessing and reading between the lines leads to speculation and misinformation. You need to be very, very direct, not nuanced with what you're saying, and you have to avoid corporate jargon and PR speak at all costs. Once you go into that territory, you lose trust, you'll never regain it, not in this time period, and eventually things will be fine. We'll get to a normal. It might be a new-ish or new-er normal. And when kind of the dust settles and the sun is shining again, people will remember this time and how you behaved and how you led or you didn't lead, and they will then choose whether or not to be with you or go to your competitor or go somewhere else. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that people at kind of every level are dealing with this and feeling the repercussions of the pandemic in many different ways. And I think that it is really critical for leaders to kind of figure out the best way that they can navigate what's going on and how to best handle the situation at this time. And I think maintaining trust and transparency and honesty is going to be really vital during this because no one really knows what's going on. And the other thing I'll say is that you really will see individuals metal tested here and you're going to see now who the real leaders are, who has courage, who has compassion, and those who shouldn't have been in leadership positions at all. So I guess the one upside to a very large downside is that you're going to have a culling of people who you once thought inexplicably were in leadership positions and should no longer be there. Well, they probably won't last And that's fine because obviously they're not meant to be there as long as somebody who is good steps up in their place. Absolutely. And you talked about this before, but I want to make sure that we touch on this again because it's it's really important and critical to what we're talking about right now. But obviously, you know, people, media is covering the fallout of amongst companies and what this will mean for kind of like the broader global economy. But I know that something that's very concerning to you is what's going to happen to nonprofits. What will be the outcome for these organizations, some of which we've spoken to on this podcast? And how can people like us help to step up and lead? I mean, you're talking about right now, just in America alone, about 1.5 million nonprofit organizations that represents one in 10 jobs in the US and about 5% of our GDP. You know, you're talking about 12.3 million people who are just employed, according to statistics from 2016, by nonprofits. Those are just the people who are employed by nonprofits. Everything from the local triathlon club down the street to your YMCA to larger nonprofits like the Red Cross. And I do have concern in the work that we've done, and I'm very proud of with nonprofits, and we're providing pro bono services to them to help them communicate to their constituents in this time. And, and primarily because many of them either are dealing with other kind of existential and operational issues, or they don't have the skills in-house. They certainly don't have the resources to outsource this. And they don't have this as part of their muscle memory. So we're helping them 
figure out what's the best way to communicate with their key stakeholders. And so far, there are basically five big questions that nonprofits are tackling right now amidst the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. And I'll start with the first one. So the first one is, as a nonprofit, how should I communicate about an upcoming event that I might have to cancel, postpone, or change to become virtual? And this is really hard. And my advice so far has been, don't wait. Even if you haven't made a firm decision on what you're going to do, it's important to communicate the considerations. So it's kind of like when a client emails me and asks a question, even if I don't have the answer, I email them back and I say, I'm working on it. I'll get back to you within XX time period. We need to treat that question the same way. I will say, and what I've been telling our nonprofit clients If an event is occurring in the next 60 days, no way. You should postpone it. You need to make a decision at least to say it's not happening, even if you haven't made the decision yet whether or not it's postponed, i.e. canceled forever until next year, or we're going to go virtual. And this, again, goes back to the point I made earlier. This is a perfect opportunity to show how the sausage is made. Be transparent. Be human. Don't be vague. So, for example, if you're in negotiations with a hotel that you had booked, you already paid them 80%, you have 20% remaining, maybe you paid it in full. Let them know that you're having issues. I'm not saying you need to hotel or venue shame, but sometimes a little bit of public pressure does force venues to do the right thing, to be a little bit more lenient, at least let you rebook without some sort of fee. So you need to say things like, we're actually reviewing and negotiating our financial obligations with, I'm just making this up, the Hyatt or the Marriott, whatever. And as soon as we're able to come to a mutually beneficial outcome, then we'll let you know. So I think that that's really important. You shouldn't wait. Even if you don't have the answer, communicate. The second question we get is, how often should I communicate with my stakeholders and what is the best channel for doing so? So with most nonprofits, I will say that their uh, CRM, their email system is really good. It has to be because it's their lifeblood, especially for fundraising. So You should always lean on what works where you have the highest open rates. That's the first thing. But I think because we do have the blessing of social media today, and can you imagine if if this happened? I mean, it has in different time periods, hundreds of years ago, multiple times we've had pandemics. But the fact that we have technology like Zoom and social media to be able to communicate with people so instantly is kind of a blessing. But anyway, that's for another day. But The point is, you shouldn't just be email or your CRM system. Make sure you post your social channels, be consistent, be honest, but also try to be upbeat without being clueless, right? So when I say upbeat, that doesn't mean pretend nothing's going on. You have to address that there is something larger than ourselves that's happening right now. And at the same time, we should always offer to reach out personally. This is one nonprofit that we work with where the executive director said to me, for this one event that he had to cancel, he called all 300 registrants personally on their mobile phones. And if he didn't speak to them, he left them a message and he let them know. And that personal touch, even though it is a lot of work, it's a huge amount of human resource and labor, it goes a really, really long way. Because the thing that we all have to keep in mind is every email that we send is one of hundreds, if not more, maybe even a thousand they're getting from others, right? And remember, every recipient on the end of that email is dealing with their own job insecurity, their their worries, their levels of debt, their family issues. You know, family bonding time now is like taken to a whole new level, right? I'm living with a 19-year-old and an almost 16-year-old who, by the way, are very good at self-isolating anyway. But think about people who have toddlers who are just like 
backpacks on you, right? There might as well just be coat hangers because they're on you all the time. So there's a lot of things that people are navigating right now. So communicating using all of the channels that you're used to using is really important. And then the and then the third question related to that is how should I behave on social media? So I think and what I've seen to be very effective recently is posting stories, personal narratives, looking back at how the nonprofit that you're working for or you're leading is either currently helping people in this crisis. So share those stories, share those anecdotes, or look back at what you've done in the past to remind people how important you are for the future. Again, once we're past this issue, that's really, really important. Fourth question I get, should I stop fundraising? And this is a tricky one. And I've seen a lot of different approaches to this. It depends on who the nonprofit is. So for example, if you're the YMCA, your biggest worry is that people are going to freeze their memberships or cancel them outright until we get through this because all the YMCAs are shut down. And what I've seen them do, and I think this is appropriate, is a direct plea to say, please, we understand if you have to based on your own economic situation, but if you can, those fees basically keep our staff employed. A lot of them are hourly wage earners. And also those fees could be turned into a donation, um, your membership fees. So please reconsider canceling. And that's okay. I think otherwise, general fundraising, whether they're capital campaigns or larger initiatives, should be put on hold. And what you really should do is fundraise specific to whatever the needs are as a fallout from COVID-19. But don't stop communicating and don't stop reminding your constituents that the money that they have donated in the past is actually helping people live today and potentially saving lives. And that's really important. The last question, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's appropriate for nonprofits as well, is how do I keep my staff morale high? How do I communicate with them, especially tough decisions and unknowns about job security? Same rules apply as the for-profit world. I think we need to be very open, be very honest, talk about the actions we're taking right now to mitigate possible impact, but also give them a little bit of a heads up that there could be personal sacrifices that need to be made and give them a little bit of a sneak peek into the decisioning process. And don't be afraid to ask your employees for help, creative ways to keep them engaged or to keep them employed, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. So those are like the five big ones that we're hearing right now and what we're fielding and we're editing documents and helping with social posts. And really at the end of the day, this is about business continuity planning and communications can't necessarily always keep a business running, but it certainly helps keep a business running because it's one of the most important pillars around continuity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you touched on some really great points about kind of communicating both internally and externally and how a lot of the success or not success, but just kind of resolve around this crisis right now is being handled through the way that we tell our stories and the way that we kind of present these narratives, both to our staff and to the external world. For sure. For sure. And, you know, if I had to summarize it all for both businesses as well as nonprofits, again, be consistent, commit to full transparency, ask for forgiveness in advance, highlight the impact of past support, especially for nonprofits, be flexible when it comes to commitments that your customers have made for events, be it a nonprofit or a brand or a for-profit, find ways to stay connected with your constituents through Zoom, through Google Hangout, through FaceTime, and then using social channels wisely to remind them of the relevance 
and the importance of your brand or your nonprofit at this time. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic and a great thing to keep in mind. Do you have uh, recommendations for what business leaders should be doing during this time? It's an interesting question. I don't know if you've noticed this, and this kind of warms my heart in many ways, but large majority of the direct communications to consumers have been coming from CEOs and uh, the most senior people, heads of boards at companies as well as nonprofits. And I think that is exactly what they should be doing. They need to be front and center. It's interesting because in most types of crises, especially those that are self-inflicted or specific to a certain group or organization, we advise clients where you have to leave yourself a little bit of place to go. Like, don't put your CEO out there. God forbid, if less there's a tragedy, because otherwise you have nowhere else to go, right? So have your head of human resources or another senior leader or regional person or your head of HR. But in this case, it's absolutely required. I think actually Delta Airlines has been doing this exceptionally well, that the CEO is front and center as the spokesperson around this crisis. Yeah, definitely. I think kind of taking the taking the lead when it comes to this situation is incredibly important and definitely demonstrates the character of the people in charge at this moment. So we've touched on a lot of really important topics today, and I kind of want to leave the floor to you to summarize it in whatever way you see fit when uh, thinking about you know how people are handling this pandemic and how we're going to kind of come out of it. Well, Meg, first, I want to thank you personally for being such a great interviewer and being so wise beyond your years and for um, helping me communicate what I think is probably in the most critical of times in both your very young life and my very old life. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Look, like most crises, there's going to be waves of peaks and valleys for brands and for nonprofits, you know, and I define these as those communication moments punctuated by decisions made by them as well as for them. So by them, it could be shutting down, but for them, it could also be shutting down by regulators and by local and state authorities. So, you know, in wave one, like I'd mentioned earlier, we saw brands migrate from doubling down on these obligatory, we care and we're taking precautions, emails and communications to wave two, which is these brands really, unfortunately, having to make indefinite changes on how they actually run their businesses, if they're running at all. The thing that I I worry about the most, but I'm really bracing for impact on is really wave three. I have a lot of experience this with a lot of brands and nonprofits, but basically wave three is these companies and these organizations having to announce austerity measures. If they're public companies, they're revising guidance. Regardless, everyone's going to start implementing cost containment measures that will likely result in reductions in workforce. And that's hard. And I appreciate that the government is acting with a huge stimulus package and they'll continue to do so. But it's going to be a really hard time for all of us. And probably now's a, just in close, a really good time to remind all of us about some basic crisis comms principles. First is, as an organization, you have to understand what your point of arrival is. In other words, what is the interim needs that I need to meet? And but also, what are the latent needs? What are those long-term objectives? So your communications should always follow your overall organizational objectives. And again, like I mentioned earlier, trust needs to be your North Star. It is the most important thing in order to instill confidence by all stakeholders, as well as your leadership. Interestingly, the word crisis is actually derived from Greek, crisis. It means a turning point in a disease, which is kind of scary. But remember, no comment by you is a comment for somebody else. So it's really, really important that we not stay silent and that we do lead And now's also a really, really good time to lean into your organization's core values. So for us, when it comes to my agency, KWT Global, 
we look at voting for optimism over negativity, empathy over apathy, grit over surrender, and of course, collaboration over isolation, even in this era of social distancing, which I'm no longer saying anymore. I'm now calling it physical distancing. So again, my advice, be prudent, stay calm. We should maintain our resolve. Obviously, we need to do everything we can to listen to local and federal authorities to stay safe. And if you need help or advice, you're a nonprofit, especially, don't hesitate to reach out to us, me personally at aquitkin at kwtglobal.com or sos at kwtglobal.com. And we're happy to help. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks for taking the time to talk about this today. Thank you, Meg. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always on point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com. Follow our Instagram at the Bop Podcast. And learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com. Thank you.